Maybe you felt chills or goosebumps. Perhaps it's an overwhelmed feeling of something bigger than you or more complex. Whatever the feeling, God put the response in your soul as a reminder of His presence, power, and glory. It's called awe, and He wants to remind us of it every day in many ways. Join us as we discover how God has used His awe to inspire others to follow Him deeper in their lives. Well, good day, and this is Bruce Davis from In Awe by Bruce, and I'm going to start off this podcast a little bit differently. Instead of introducing who we have as a guest, I'm going to talk about what was behind the movie that she's in, a movie called Dolphin Island. And Shaked Berenson was the writer and producer behind this. And here's what he said about the film. And I, I think this just says something about the heart of this movie and the heart that the people had in it and him in writing it. The film Dolphin Island started as a mission to help the Grand Bahama Islands after the devastation caused by Hurricane Dorian in 2019. Instead of handouts, I thought this was beautiful, the local government encouraged us to bring a production to the island. The goals were to highlight the beauty of the Bahamas to the world, to increase tourism, to bring new trade to the region, and stimulate the local economy. And then he goes on and talks about how they did that and the people that jumped in like Annette, who we're going to be talking to here in a minute, to, to do this movie. And and the thing that we could be praying for is that in March, as you know, just weeks after their production ended, the Bahamas were hit with all the COVID-19 problems that we all have. And that stopped the tourism, and that's their main source of income. So we want to be praying for them and thinking about what they have to go through with a, a real big double hit there. But today we have Annette Loverin Duncan on the show, and she got to play the uh, maternal grandparent of the main character. And we're going to ask her to tell a little bit more about the movie in a minute. And I may have to deviate for a second somewhere in here, Annette, because you teach English and critical thinking at Carthage College in Kenosha, Wisconsin, for 33 years. So I want to, I want to ask you something about that a little later. Uh, she was also the Title IX coordinator and leader of the Academic Senate. She's done stage acting and musical theater for the past three decades, but in the past couple of years, she really stepped into a different world of film and television, so she can tell us about that change. Uh, she's been in television production such as People Magazine Investigates. You'll see her on commercials, print products for things like Stainmaster, Corey's and Apple, documentary films. But the latest thing is Dolphin Island. And so we're going to talk with her about that. She lives in Wisconsin, as I just said, with her husband, Reverend David Duncan. And uh, they have seven children and seven grandchildren. So you know that she has a lot of energy, <laughs> we think. <laughs> so, so Annette, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Oh, thank you so much, Bruce. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about the film and anything else you'd like to Okay, well, I'm, I don't want to forget the critical thinking thing. <laughs> uh, so first, tell us, how did you hear about this movie going on, and how did you get involved in Dolphin Island? The way that I got involved in film acting to begin with was my son-in-law and daughter, who had been acting in Hollywood, moved yeah. back to the Midwest to kind of get their, their family uh, going and raised and so forth. And my son-in-law started a film school. And so I oh, yeah. uh, 
was being a good mom-in-law and and <laughs> I had a dream of doing this just didn't know how you know so um he he gave me lots of teaching skills that sort of thing and got me submitting to actors access um a place where it's breakdown services where people throughout the nation and beyond submit needs that they have and okay so um, uh, each night I try to submit uh, to at least a few things on Actors Access. Um, and so I, at that point, I'd only been, it'd been less than a year uh, that I'd been doing um, film and I uh, had not done a feature film. And so um, I saw it and I saw that it was shooting in the Bahamas and I was sitting there, it was December, it was cold in Wisconsin. And I said jokingly to my youngest son, Oh, how would you like it if your mom went and filmed in the Bahamas? Ha ha ha! And, he, <laughs> ha, ha, and we all laughed. And then I got a callback. I it was a virtual callback, but um, mm -hmm. they they gave me sides to to read and a scene, a couple scenes to play um, on video. And so we filmed that and sent it back in. And then I didn't hear anything for weeks. And the hard mm -hmm. thing about acting is you can't hold anything too close. Even if yes. it's the role you want, you gotta do your best, give it a hundred percent and then let it go. And if it never comes again, you're okay with that. So I just let it go and I thought, well, that's gone. And then I was teaching um, at Carthage one night and I finished my class and was in my office and an email popped up um, from Shaked and uh, uh, another um, producer actually too, and said, you know, call right away. So I called and they offered me the role and I said, oh yes, I, I, I believe I can make that work. I would love to do that. And hung up the phone and the halls were empty at that point because it was about 9.15 at night. And so I just screamed, <laughs> I was like, ah! I'm doing a feature film and I was so excited. Then reality started to set in and I thought, what am I doing and how am I going to make my life run while I'm gone for, you know, yeah. three weeks or whatever. And uh, I thought, this is a chance. This is someplace that I feel like God has placed me mm -hmm. that I just have to step by step do my best to make it work. And it did all work out. Um, very, very beautifully. What what an experience. I, I can't even use enough superlatives uh -huh. to describe what it was like to be there. But that's how, I mean, I just submitted on Actors Access and yeah. really the director and producers took a chance on me and um, I'll be forever, ever grateful. It was kind of my breakout moment. Um, Great. How, how long were you down there? I was there about three weeks, I think, three and a half. Um, the uh, rest of the crew and directors had done some scouting previous to that. They were there a little before and a little after um, most of the actors. But um, okay. we, we compacted everything into about three and a half weeks of, of filming. Tell us a little bit about the story and your character and the involvement there. Well, there are portions of the movie that are, um, what do I want to say? They would appeal to kind of what we like as movie watchers. There's mm -hmm. the girl, the young, beautiful, fun girl. And uh, there's her dolphin friend who doesn't love dolphins. Oh, my gosh. And so uh, I know. 
Yeah. <laughs> and there's the gorgeous scenery of the Bahamas and there's conflict and there's rising action and, you know, all those sorts of things. But this movie goes way, way beyond that to show the girl at the center, the teenager at the center of the film, has been raised for basically all of her life in the Bahamas, most of it by her paternal grandfather, um, because her parents were killed in a boating accident when she was very young. And so he's raised her there. Um, He actually came from England. He was a professor at Oxford, and he came from England and decided to give over that life to devote himself to her in this place. That's where her parents wanted her raised, and that's Mm -hmm. where she found And so about 10 years later, her maternal grandparents, and that's uh, the character that I play, Cheryl Williams, her maternal grandmother, we really decided it was time. We had dealt with our grief enough. We needed to go save our granddaughter from this uh, life of lack in, in, um, you know, that she lived on a houseboat that was not fancy and among people who we thought were maybe a little unsavory. We were going to bring her back to New York and our, our motivations were really pure. We wanted to give her the best of everything, the best schools and everything that she had lacked materially um, because we're very wealthy. And so we were going to bring her back and give her the life she deserved. So we went in with uh, legal action and, and all kinds of uh, ways to bring her back, even against some people's will. And that's where the main conflict of the movie arises is, mm-hmm. is should she stay here? Should she come back? Does she, what does she want? Her own uncertainty and confusion, wanting to have relationship with family, but feeling torn apart by the um, conflicting views. And then, of course, her good friend, Mitzi the Dolphin, who is sort of an observer and and <laughs> interlocutor at times, uh, comes in and does her little, beep, 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 you know, and, and makes people do things and realize things. So I won't give away more of the plot right now, but... Yeah. Basically, she um, she is at the center of some real life, faith, family values um, mm-hmm. and conflicts that are thought provoking and much deeper than just your traditional dolphin movie. Okay, good. That's yeah. I, it was hard for me not to go back to my youth of uh, Flipper and, yeah. and asking for a Flipper book for Christmas. Right, right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yep. So when when you said uh, you felt like uh, God had put you in there, what can I can I ask that on that personal side? Kind of how do you how did you faith wise see yourself in this whole thing? Yeah, one of the things I've had a number of friends who, when I kind of started this and doors started to open a little bit, they said they felt called to just really pray that they believe that this is something that God is opening the door for me, even though I'm not 30 years old, you know, I'm not yeah. somebody who, who you would expect um, would just be getting into film. And I have plenty of other things in my life, but this has always been a dream and this started to open. So they began to pray over it. I have one friend who literally has prayed with another woman every single night. Uh, wow. 
for me for the past 10 years, actually. But um, she's prayed every single night for the past about three years, specifically about God's calling that she senses um, in the filmmaking. And so I, you know, I, I really want to give God credit. <laughs> yeah. Do that if you can give God quote unquote credit. Um, but I want to give him glory and say that my being invited, being booked mm -hmm. to this movie and the whole experience is of his hand. I was not someone who had lots of film credits. Yeah. Uh, I was someone who they, they took a chance on. And I really believe he opened the door. He's blessing. It worked beautifully. And I learned so much and grew so much. And uh, I, I think um, he helped me to do the job that I wanted to do in this film. So, so I give him lots of credit there. I also just have sensed in my heart that this is something he wants me to pursue and mm -hmm. to be disciplined, to learn the craft and to submit and to not hold it tightly. Um, I was talking to someone about, um, I feel kind of like the character Esther and the yeah. woman Esther uh, in a sense that he's giving me a platform and he's wanting me, I believe, to speak to people about mm -hmm. his goodness and his truth. One of the really cool things along those lines, Bruce, was yeah. uh, I got there not knowing uh, if there would be other people of faith there. You just kind of don't know um, in different mm -hmm. contexts. And immediately the man who uh, was going to play my husband, David Razor. Uh -huh. um, immediately, we discovered each other as um, uh, strong Christ followers and mm -hmm. uh, people of faith. And so my husband was very grateful. David kind of took me under his wing when we had to travel places. He made sure I was safe and everything, although oh. you know, very safe. But you know how you kind of yeah. have this sense that you want to have somebody there in case. And so he did that. And he and I had the opportunity, for example, when we had days that we were shopping, he and I would go and um, pray with some of the local merchants if they wanted prayer, which to a person, oh. every one of them did. Oh. Some of them were facing huge, huge difficulty in their lives because of the sort of leftover effects of Hurricane Dorian. And yet they were such beautiful people, so full of hope, many of them so full of faith. And to be prayed for and blessed and encouraged, they were appreciative and we were blessed in return. So oh. um, it was it was a beautiful, beautiful time. That That is great. That is such a great, great witness. And also it's good to hear who doesn't need a prayer warrior like your friend, right? Yeah. That's amazing. Indeed. When you were working with the other people that were in the cast there, that were the n people native to the Bahamas, what was that like? How were they doing? Uh, you know, what was their response to everything? Wow. I, the people of the Bahamas are nothing short of amazing. And I mm -hmm. don't say that lightly, and I don't say that just to make, you know, this sound good. I I was consistently amazed by them. When we first got there, I was coming in <clears throat> in a little plane, a four-seater plane, and we were flying in over the island. And of course, we'd been very almost giddy flying from Florida, getting there were three of us um, mm -hmm. in the cast tour there in the um, plane and the pilot. <laughs> and um, so we were flying in and the mood turned to somber as 
parts of the island, of course, much of the island is perfect and wonderful, and I cannot wait to go back. It's, mm. it's not been deeply impacted, but other parts were just devastated. And yeah. you can see just the homes and buildings and wide swaths of life that had been just destroyed. Then uh, one of the things that had been um, deeply impacted at that point was the airport. I'm sure that it's by now um, doing well. But at that time, it wasn't that long after uh-huh. the hurricane. And um, so it was just a little tent with someone sitting there, two people sitting there to um, look at your passport and be quote unquote customs. And it was just like I kept looking around for the airport when we landed. And then they said, there it is. You know, the Wow. Tent. Like uh-huh. our driver then, who had lived through much of this, uh, as he was taking us to location, he was telling us stories and and showing us different things, and we just didn't even we couldn't talk in the car. We just were huh. absolutely silenced by imagining the pain. I I remember when Dorian was a hurricane that they were talking about on the Weather Channel and so forth. I remember looking at a picture of that huge hurricane in the little tiny Bahamas. And I said to my family, this is, of course, long before any of my connection with the movie. Mm-hmm. I said, guys, this looks really serious for the people in the Bahamas. We need to pray for them. So we did. But to have that personal on-site connection, I, I couldn't have imagined before yeah. that what they've gone through. So all that to say, that kind of difficulty and um, adversity that they were facing and facing for a long time, because when all of your infrastructure, you know, or a lot of it is wiped out and, and you don't have the things that you've normally had, like basic internet or even phone service to begin rebuilding, it's such a challenge. I don't think I saw a single Bahamian person without a smile. Everyone was just so welcoming, so hospitable. They were choosing. You you might say it seems like natural Mm -hmm. uh, joy, but I know human nature too much to believe that. I, I think they're just choosing, choosing to have faith, to have hope, to try to heal and move beyond Mm. and um, thrive once again. And that takes a a special kind of people and they are definitely, definitely that kind of people. So, wow, I just fell in love with them and their hearts and their strength. Wow, that's great, man. Going back to the movie, uh, you got to work with uh, Annabelle, the main character. She represents kind of a teen going through all these different things. It's got to be strong. She's kind of forced in positions where she's got to be resilient. Uh, What do you think that will say to people that watch this movie, particularly teens or young people? You know, one of the things that I love about the character of Annabelle is she's not portrayed in a very flat way. She's not perfect. She she feels the tension and the pain in her family. She feels the uncertainty and she does not know what to do. And that's real life. I'll 
I'll share with you, Bruce, um, yeah. you know, when I, growing up, there were times mm. when we had uh, tension um, in our family too. I had, I had beautiful, wonderful parents, mm -hmm. but um, uh, you know, there was divorce and different things that occurred in my family. Um, and there was a lot of pain, a lot of uncertainty. And some of those same kind of very difficult choices that I had to make as a teenager. And as you're making them, you just, you kind of waver between, oh, it'll all work out and, oh, everything's falling apart. My world is over, you know, and we see some of that tension in Annabelle in the movie. We see mm -hmm. her uncertain how to handle this. And finally, at a place where she just wants to get away from all of it and make it disappear by disappearing herself, you know, mm -hmm. and that's a very natural emotion. Mm. But um, through the events that um, transpire, through Mitzi's help and through other things, um, I, I think we see Annabelle learning a whole lot about the value of family, of perseverance. At one point, my favorite scene with her is we're sitting and I'm passing on a cross to her, yes. a cross necklace that is kind of a family heirloom, but it's way more than a family heirloom. It's, it's, it's a grandmother saying to her granddaughter, this faith is what I have learned is the thing that, that you need as bedrock for your life, the thing that you need to grab onto and to trust, mm -hmm. um, trust God and um, make that something that pervades all of your life, not just a convenient space, but the hard times as well as the good times. And I'm passing that on to her and she's receiving it. Yes. Trying to, trying to receive <laughs> it and learn. And uh, much of that, I think, we see Annabelle receiving before the movie is over. Yeah, that was a great scene. I, I like that. Anything else on the movie that uh, you feel would be important for people to know or to think about? Uh, one of the things that I really loved about and do love about this movie, being an English professor, I... I'm not much of a fan of just, um, what should I call them, sort of formulaic films. Yes. Even though there are elements that we love, as I mentioned before, this film goes way deeper than that. It's it's the kind of thing that um, that shows real people having real struggles, real temptations to kind of see things um, just the way that we want to see the world and kind of coming up against all those sharp places in life and dealing with them in the best way they can and in a very real way. And yet we see goodness, we see truth, we see courage, we see love, those kinds of things, how strong they are and how much, even though things are very fragmented, when we as humans try to force life into what it is that, that we think it should be, um, that fragmentation can be brought back together, can be healed and restored um, through things like love and courage and trust and, and family. So I think it's important to know that the movie is not going to hit you over the head with this is the way you should live. It's going to show you a slice of life and then um, enable you to wrestle with and consider uh, some of the, the ways that things have been resolved and, and brought together by the end of the movie. I agree with you. There's, 
One I'm thinking of, and I won't say much about it other than that it's Peter Woodward as the grandfather when he's on the when he's on the beach with the other person and he's going, You were like a hurricane that came into my life, and hurricanes just tear things apart. And he, he gives a great analogy there, and I'll just leave it at that. But uh there's a lot you can pull from what, what he said and then what happens afterwards. There sure is. And and I'll just take this moment to to say that Peter and the other actors that um, I was really blessed to work with, mm -hmm. uh, just amazing, amazing people. Peter Woodward being somebody who his whole life has uh, done just tons of acting. You, you right. will find him all over the place in film and in documentaries and the History Channel and just all kinds of things. As a producer, a writer, a director, an actor, he's a Royal Shakespeare Company. He's just amazing. Mm -hmm. And yet he's the kind of person through the entire film that had both optimism. I call him a renaissance man. Um, <laughs> when, for example, the little boat, the rusty boat that we were filming on, it really mm -hmm. was a little rusty boat. And and sometimes it didn't want to run and we're filming in the middle of the ocean. It needs to run, you know. And uh, so Peter was the one who would, he knew how to wrangle with diesel engines and he wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty. And, you know, he was just always, always positive and just an amazing human. And I could say that about everybody in the cast. Mm. Truly, oh, that's awesome. great. Mm. All right. Are you ready for my quick segue? Yeah. <laughs> Give, give us the the critical thinking <laughs> before before we go. I got to hear something from critical thinking and and what you see because I love that and I'd like to know what your view is on the importance of that in today's world and you know what you're seeing as far as with the people you're teaching. So we do have three more hours together, right, Bruce? That's right. Okay, <laughs> just checking. Can you condense uh, that into I, three minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could go on and on about, um, and you, you've hit it on the head uh, as far as the importance in today's um, climate and culture and so forth. We more than ever as a nation, and certainly I, I teach college students and mm -hmm. their group that is deciding many things that will be sort of the direction for their lives, they need to be um, encouraged, pushed, trained to see things from different perspectives, to recognize yeah. narratives that are uh, assumed narratives in our world. And um, the thing, especially, you know, I love media, obviously, but um, many things that come through the media don't seem to leave room for any sort of questioning or alternative ways of seeing things. And that's just not the truth. That's just not the truth of the world. And that's not the way we were meant to be as humans, just receiving right. in sort of a spoon-fed way what it is, the way we should see the world. We're meant to take varying perspectives, to weigh them, to look at evidence, mm -hmm. to look at human nature in literature and things like that, and to, to really wrestle with that. I, even faith. You know, I have a lot of students who um, come to college and they believe that they are people of faith. And mm -hmm. then and there are questions that come up and they'll come to me and say, I think I'm losing my faith. Uh -huh. And I say, 
know what you're doing is you're gaining your faith because until until your faith is strong enough to stand up to the questions and the differing perspectives that are are brought um you don't really have faith you've just taken a narrative from someone and you're carrying it around for various reasons mm. um it is really at those moments where you have to decide am i going to trust god even if things yeah. make sense even if i'm hurting unbelievably even if i feel confused and disappointed until you can face those moments mm -hmm. and that you have a faith that you've thought through and that um, you've lived through and that you're going to hold to. I just don't think you you have quite the, the depth of faith that uh, we're meant to have. Mm -hmm. So um, critical thinking is a huge part of faith and development as individuals and so necessary in society right now. Um, I can't overemphasize it. So I'll stop short of the three hour mark, but uh, <laughs> we'll come back for further sessions. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the thing that I'm glad you're saying, which is so important today, is that, that there's not a chasm between faith and thinking. Right. Right. There's the Lord has asked us to use the brain he gave us. Yep. And and that's the great thing about it. They belong together and they build together. So absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, just uh, last thing. What's next for you? Anything else you want to tell us about that's next for you coming up? Yeah, well, as you know, a whole lot of the, um, in fact, I don't even imagine people who aren't in the film industry understand the devastation, speaking of devastation, that mm -hmm. has uh, been wrought on the film industry by COVID. Yeah. It just shut down. And then it would start to open up in the fall and then shut down again. I was in the middle of filming a documentary in um, California mm -hmm. in December and midway through the day, we yeah. got noticed that the governor had um, from that day forward, beyond that day, limited to just a certain number, just a few people, those who could be together in a space. Well, that that makes it impossible because you got to have a film crew and you got to have director and you got to have actors. And so, you know, just the look on the um, director's face as she, she closed her, her computer and just kind of, you could just see in her eyes, how are we going to do this mid project? You know, they were yeah. stopping there and all the projects they had in the pipeline and those had just started back up. So it's been such a challenge all across the nation for, um, for filmmakers, for anyone in the entertainment industry. Mm. Um, but it is starting to come back to life. All I've really been able to do is, uh, and, and I'm so grateful for this, um, the yeah. documentary I mentioned and a number of uh, commercials and print things and so forth. So I've, I've kept this part of my life alive, but just the future films have not been able to do much at all. Mm -hmm. So the last um, two weeks, it's just like Hollywood and different places have come back to life and they're breathing again. And I've been submitting to all kinds and I've gotten probably 12 uh, callbacks in the last week and a half to Ooh. feature films. Great. So who knows what will, <laughs> will transpire. I wish I had a name of a film to give you. I don't, but I, I would love it if people would um, 
follow on IMBD or just mm-hmm. uh, pray as God directs me, whatever, uh, whatever way that uh, they would follow. And, um, and we'll see, but I'm excited. It's, it's coming alive again. Oh, that's good to hear. I'm so glad for you. And Annette, thank you for taking the time to be with us and share all the things that are going on with the movie, as well as your personal life and your acting career and all that and your faith. Really appreciate it. Look forward to probably talking to you somewhere in the future. And uh, you have a blessed day. Thanks, Bruce. It was a pleasure and blessings to you and your listeners. All right. Take care. Bye.